0: Are you ready
1: to supercharge your music music career? You've come to the right place. This is the Real Musicians Don't Starve podcast. The only show where you will learn firsthand how musicians just like you have turned their passions into highly successful long-term careers. I'm your host, Michael Elsner, and I'm so happy to have you with us today. Now, let's dive into this episode. Hello, and welcome to Real Musicians Don't Starve. My name is Michael Elsner, and today I am here with one of my absolute favorite people of all time, by far my favorite drummer, Mr. Jeff Bowders. And Jeff has had a very long, fantastic career. He's a drummer. He runs his own Drum Discipline Academy, which I'm going to have him tell you about a little later. Uh, he's played with so many different artists, and he's also a, a, an author, published author, with Hal Leonard. So you can go into your local uh, music store and, and, and buy one of a variety of different drumming books that he's, uh, that he's authored. But as far as the artists that he's played with, he's played uh, guitar and recorded with, I'm sorry, he's played and recorded with a guitarist named Paul Gilbert. If you're a guitar player, you're going to know some of these people. He's uh, played with Joe Triani, He's played with Richie Kotzen and uh, John Five. He's also recorded with the band Puddle of Mud, uh, Pat Travers, and he's also played with a huge star Shakira. And this is a very small list of of people that he's worked with, but uh, it's a pretty wide range of of musical styles as well. He's written three books for Hal Leonard. Uh, they're really uh, three essential drum books uh, for drummers. The first is um, uh, Essential Double Bass Drumming Techniques. The second is Essential Rock Drumming Concepts, and the third is Essential Drum set fills, and he has also done a, uh, a, a a DVD for Hal Leonard as well, an instructional DVD. So he's uh he's really covered quite a lot uh, as a musician. And Jeff, thank you so much for for coming and and joining joining us today. Uh, I you recently shared a story that I'd actually love for you to share with everyone, and it was about how when Hal Leonard first asked you to record a DVD for them, how you actually didn't feel that you were ready for it yet, but then, uh, you know, you got some great advice for, from another individual who, who uh, you know, encouraged you to do that, and that was a, you know, very successful DVD and opened a lot of other opportunities for you down the road, so, so welcome, and uh, I'm happy to have you here with us.
0: Michael Elsner, thank you so much for having me on this, it's, a, it's an honor, I, I, I think this podcast that you're doing is phenomenal, the title is excellent, Real Musicians Don't Starve, I I'm, I'm, it's so disappointing when I think so many musicians feel like they have to starve to feel like they're an authentic artist or something that gives them some sort of credibility. If they're starving, that, that, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. And so, um, uh, so thank you for doing this and, and hopefully I can contribute and, uh, Change the way of thinking for for those artists that that think that way, at least. But anyway, uh, yeah, that's that's. I I would love to share that story with you. But even to give you a little bit more of a backstory um, that preceded that, it might even be a little bit uh, more beneficial to kind of get the context of my relationship with Hal Leonard before that. As you said, uh, when when we first met, I was working on my first uh, my first book. That would eventually be published by Hal Leonard. It was called Just Double Bass Drumming, but I did that independently. I, I did that without any sort of advance from a publisher, so it was uh, so it was all my own. But then eventually Hal Leonard got wind of it, and they wanted me to submit it for review. That something that they may wanna want to publish. At the time I was living in Nashville, I was actually renting uh, a room from, uh, in this house with the, the, the guy that owned the house was this guy named George. He worked for Word Records. He was basically a sales rep for the, for the record label. And so he was basically a salesman, really good guy. And, uh, and so once I submitted this independent copy to Hal Leonard, it took them like a few months to actually – respond and, and get back to me. And I didn't really know the progress. And, and I, I think I, I emailed them once and it was kind of like, yeah, it's still under review. But, you know, I kind of got the feeling that I was like, don't bother us kind of a thing. But anyway, one night, George asked me about how the progress was coming, if they were actually going to publish it or not. And I said, oh, I, I don't know. I still haven't heard back from them. And, you know, he said, well, have you reached out? I said, oh, I did once, but it, I just didn't want to bother them. But, you know, so I'm just going to wait. And he goes, well, Jeff, you, you just have to go for the no. And I, was, I said, excuse me? And he said, yeah, just go for the no. And I said, I, I, what does that even mean? I, I've never heard of that. And he said, we, we use this in sales all the time. He said, time, time is so precious that we don't have the luxury to waste it on somebody's indecisiveness. And, and so if somebody's, if somebody's waiting and just kind of hemming and hawing about whether or not they should buy the product, he goes, we just kind of push them and push them. To the point that if they say no, that gives us a green light to move on to someone else, right? And somebody that could actually benefit from our time and energy. And he goes, so if Hal Leonard is like not on the fence about it, if they're on the fence about it, you should just push them and just say, hey, you know, I have other publishers, you know, and that may kind of spark a fire underneath them to actually start making a decision. And he goes, so just go for the no. And I thought that that mindset was so foreign to me, but it makes so much sense. And I was like, that's, uh, and I think that's, applicable to so many different things i think as artists too where we sometimes with our art we think it's so fragile that if somebody rejects it that it's gonna it's it's gonna be it's not gonna have any value just because one person rejects it it's because it 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 doesn't have value anymore i I think that's total nonsense and so the thing is we're always going to find an audience we're always going to find somebody that really appreciates what it is we do And it's our job to kind of filter that out. And I think going for the no is actually a really effective kind of mindset and philosophy to actually embrace. So you don't have to waste the time on people that, you know, aren't as passionate about what you create as you are or other people. maybe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, awesome. Yeah. I I just think that's super, it's a, it's, it's a mindset that I think it's kind of scary to take at first because we've been so conditioned to be people pleasers and we want to make sure everyone likes her stuff and everything. It's like, no, not everyone is going to like what we create. And, and it's our job to filter that out. And I think going for the no is a really effective way to do that. So, uh, so to, to wrap up the story, I actually sent Helen an email the next day. And I was like, hey, if you guys can't make a decision within a week, I'm going to, I'm going to submit this to other publishers that are interested. And lo and behold, the next day, the very next day, I got a response. And they yeah. said, we're going to publish it. And we're going to send over the contracts this week. Boom.
1: That's like, awesome.
0: So I was like, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, There's we- a there's a story that that uh, as you're sharing that i I'm, I'm remembering um i i worked with a with a with an artist for a while and he was sharing how his roommate who's you know currently a or his former roommate who's actually currently a a signed country artist and has a you know pretty pretty big following how they went to one record label it was the it was the artist and and his manager and they went to to have a meeting at the record label and uh and you know, the, the, I, I, something was said during the meeting, we'll say they had to say that they were at like one o'clock in the afternoon. I don't know all the specific details. I don't remember what they were, but we'll say that like they had a meeting at like, you know, one o'clock and they went in and they sat down and the, the A&R guy first started saying something along the lines of, you know, you know, we're still trying to really figure out where, you know, where we can fit him in and, and if this is going to be a good match, he was doing the him and and hawing thing. And and this guy's manager who was sitting next to him said, said, well, that's okay. Look, we, you know, since we agreed to come and meet with you at one o'clock, you know, we wanted to fulfill our obligation, but at, you know, one, one forty-five or two o'clock or whatever the time was, you know, we're going to whatever the record label was right down the street because uh, <laughs> we're signing with them, but we wanted to come in and we wanted to, you know, just, you know, follow through on our, on our meeting, you know, and whatnot. Wow. Now the second half of the story wasn't true. There was no record deal waiting for them right down the street. So they got up and, and, and they left. And, and they didn't even get out of the, of the record, um, you know, the, out of the building uh, before they were stopped, brought back upstairs, and signed on the spot. That's amazing. And, and there's, there's definitely more of a fear of missing out, right? Because sure. sure. here's the thing with what you were doing. You know, at that moment, Hal Leonard had the book, Right, but now you're taking it away from them, Mm -hmm. and people are much uh, more resistant to having things taken from them. Right. Same thing with that with that artist. You know, they were they were at the label, they were in the office, and they were you know potentially you know possibly on the market to sign and this and that. But when Mm -hmm. you pull that away, suddenly that that desire. No, 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 no. We don't we don't want someone else taking this. You know. Uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah. It it instantly (laughs) gives them a, a fresh perspective.
1: Yeah. And makes it, it calls them to action very quickly. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. For absolutely. Sure. Yeah. And so then, so then they, so they produced the book and then and published it and, and it was out yeah. and was successful. And then, and then they, they came to you for, for the DVD. And this is a story that I think is fantastic.
0: Yeah. So, so writing a book is one thing uh, because um, I, I it, it's a lot easier to write down information than it is to uh, actively uh, physically produce it, and so uh, so sure I can write down a lot of really interesting, challenging drum exercises, but to actually play them on video, then that's a whole different self perception that you get into of like, oh, how well can I do this, right? And and so so ba- they basically came. After the success of that book, they wanted me to do uh, record an educational DVD to uh, to kind of continue the momentum of of the success of that book. and And when they first offered it to me, they said we would like to do this. My instant response, my instinctive response, was no, no. I'm not qualified to do that because I, the thing is, I think we focus so much more on the stuff we can't play than what we can play. And especially at that time, that was my focus. I, I, I was, whenever I practiced, I didn't care about the things I could play. I was focusing on things I can't play and and I need to work on this stuff to be able to play it. And so, which is a very skewed and unhealthy perception, by the way. And and I think it's something that uh, I think we, we would, it would serve all of us to really um, really think about and acknowledge and start putting more of an effort to focus on the, on the good things that, that we can contribute and, and, and be able to play and, and create rather than the stuff we can't. But anyway, so, um, so my instinctive response was no. And, um, and I was taking lessons from a great drum instructor out here, uh, this rudimental drumming champion. His name was Rob Carson. Really, um, my lessons with, with him were great. Most of the time we were just talking. And a lot of times we didn't even really play at all, but just he had really good insights and wisdom, just had a really interesting perspective on, on life. And so as we were walking out at the end of my lesson, I remember vividly walking out to my truck and I, and I told him, I said, yeah, well, you know, Hal Leonard wanted me to uh, shoot a video for this. And, and he, goes, uh, he goes, oh, that's fantastic. And I said, yeah, well, I told him no. And he goes, what? <laughs> like, it blew his mind. I said, yeah, I said, man, I'm, I'm just not ready for this, but maybe like in a year, if I, if I practice some more of this stuff, then, I, then I'll be qualified. Then, then I'll be ready for it, right? Just give me a year. And and he goes, well, Jeff, first of all, you're never going to be ready. So you have to do it. You're never going to be ready. You're never going to be fully ready in your mind. And he goes, and if you don't take advantage of this opportunity, it's just going to go to someone else that feels like they are ready. And he says, it's a, it's a mindset. And, and that, just that quick phrase right there made such an impact on me. And it just really gave me a fresh perspective. That I was like, wow. And once again, kind of fear of missing out. If I don't take yeah. advantage of this opportunity, it's going to go, it, it will go to someone else, right? Because they have a budget to produce these educational videos, a limited budget. And if I don't take advantage of it, well, they're going to give it to somebody else that, that does want to take advantage of it and has the confidence to be able to play that stuff. So, so I really had to reevaluate what, what I can deliver and, 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 and focus on the things that I can deliver as opposed to the things that I can't, no one knows the things you can't play, but you, right. But yet we focus on that all the time. Right. And that's the, that, that's the problem. Most of the time we get so stuck in our heads that all, the only thing we think about is just us. It's like, but no one else knows our, our, our capabilities fully only we do. And, and I think that's kind of the genius of what a lot of amazing artists do is that, they don't focus on the, the things that they can't, they, f- they don't focus necessarily on their weaknesses, they focus on their strengths, yeah. you know, and it's, and you see where they're at with that, even I think Steve Vai, great guitar player, I remember him, you could see this on like a Guitar Center video on YouTube, it's like he's Guitar Center doing some sort of thing, and he infam- infamously says, I don't focus on my weaknesses, I focus on my strengths, I practice yeah. strengths, because yeah. I'm not a great jazz player. I like to play a little bit of blues, but those aren't my strengths. No one is, Steve I isn't known for being a great jazz player. No one wants to listen to him play jazz, right? They want to hear him play him. They want to yeah. hear him be him. And that's yeah. why he's one of the greatest guitar players. And I think that's what most artists ultimately um, decide to do. And that's why they become, you know, the, the yeah. great artists that they are, that we know and love.
1: Well, I think, you know, there, there are, you know the way that I've, I've always looked at things, there are really three keys that are, that are going to allow you to become successful obviously it's your it's going to start at your skill set right you have to have you have to be able to come to the table with with oh. the goods you know but the reality is is a lot of times that skill set is is at a much lower level than what we perceive it needs to be at, yeah, right. you know, especially as you know, I've played on many sessions, you know, you've played with many different artists and you're saying like, you know, oh, I didn't feel like I, I was capable of doing this, but prior to that, you know, you had a very long career playing and touring with a lot of different artists. So your capabilities were far higher than what they needed to be to actually make a career as a musician. Right. And it's the same thing, you know, even even going in and playing sessions, you know, we focus and think, oh, I think, oh, I can't do this, I can't do this. But ninety-nine percent of the time, I don't have to go in there and do some crazy fast sweet picking lick, you know, with with all this crazy technique. You're just playing chords and you're playing a simple melody and you're getting sounds and you're complimenting the song. So yeah, when you focus on what you're good at, that's when you're able to, I think, really draw a lot of opportunities uh, to yourself because a lot of times you can be very clear. Uh, about what you can do, and you can put yourself in those situations that you know you can succeed in. Right,
0: absolutely. That's totally it. Yeah, it's so, it's just developing that mindset. You know, getting yeah. out of your head.
1: Right. So, uh, so aside from developing, you know, the skill set, which you you work at a lot, you practice a lot, uh, and actually I actually think that that's a that's a great question in of itself. How do you continuously? Um, develop your skill set and 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 constantly provide value to the to the people who you end up getting employed by, whether it be different artists or or um, you know, how how are you constantly developing it as a musician?
0: Well, I, I think that's there's there's two parts to that. I, I I think especially when you say how do you add value to the artists that are hiring you? Um, that's a that, that's a two part those are two sides of the same coin really it's okay. you have you have to bring in the musical capability and you have to bring in uh the, the, a humble personality right you have to bring in a quality as a musician and quality within your character as a person and then that's yeah th- those are those are the two reasons why somebody hires you The mate th- i mean first they probably know of you or they if, if if they if they don't know of you hopefully they know your reputation and, and if that reputation is preceded with, yeah, he's not only a good musician, but he's a great guy and he's responsible and, we, and people want to be around him, then um, you're positioning yourself pretty well in, into getting some work, right? So right. It's going to, in terms of being a musician or uh, developing your skill set, I mean, man, there's, <laughs> there's kind of what I just said. I know so many things that I'm terrible at and I need a lot of work on. And so that, that journey is never going to end. Right. right? It's just like, there's always something that I can improve. Even the, even the things that I guess I'm kind of known for, those can still get better. Right. It's not necessarily always about quantity. It's, it's really about quality. And so it's not learning something new. It's making what you already know better. right? Right. And, and, and I don't, I don't think there's ever an end to that. I don't think I, you can never just say i can't play that any better like, right. really i think i think there's always a little percentage that you can always make a little bit better and so 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 now i think a lot of it's just kind of refining of course i'm trying to learn new ideas and new techniques and uh but but most of the time i'm getting called for what I've been known for, I guess, in my career. And so I want to make that as good as possible so that when people call me, I want to deliver that to the highest level possible.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so that's, like I said, that's ongoing. But then the uh, on the character side, on the other side of that coin, it's just learning just to shed the ego and and just be humble and just kind of be a little bit more empathetic and just kind of understand that I may not always have the right answers, and other people can can add a lot of value to my life when they critique in in something that i'm doing or something i'm saying or some or some sort of behavior or some sort of attitude that I have in my life that isn't conducive to a healthy environment with people uh, in, into a community and especially when you're on the road right it it just takes one bad attitude to ruin the experience for everyone and so um so so it's really imperative that you take everyone into account of how your attitude is going to influence people. Whether you realize it or not, your demeanor, you don't have to say anything. Your demeanor is going to affect the value or the well being of someone else's life, especially when you're in such close proximity being on the road, being mm-hmm. on a bus or a van or wherever you are. You're around the same people day in and day out. And you just have to really respect that. And if somebody's doing something annoying, you know, that you just can't stand, okay, we'll stop being annoyed, right? It's not necessarily (laughs) their fault, right? It's your fault for being annoyed, right? So you got to take a little bit of ownership with the things that you're choosing to be annoyed with, right? It's like, okay, everything, something's always going to never, something's always going to bother you. Nothing's ever going to go perfectly the way you want, but you got to deal with that. You know, that's not necessarily other people's problems. That's your problem by choosing to be annoyed by that that's hard man. Cause that's, that's, that's your ego. And you got to shed that ego of like, I want it this way. My way's the right way and all this other stuff. And nobody wants to be around people like that.
1: Yeah. That's a surefire way to end the gig, to lose the gig quickly. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I, I, and
0: it, it create a reputation that's going to end your career, you know?
1: Right. Well, taking it another step further, even, uh, I know in the last number of years, uh, you know, you, you've definitely, um, um, adjusted to you know really just even what's going on with technology and stuff like that you know years ago you had nothing to do with recording you had nothing to do with you know um, setting you know you you, I remember talking to you you know years ago and you're like well if I'm going to record I'm going to go to a studio and I'm going to work with an engineer and and they're going to make it sound good and now you know now you have your own studio and your stuff sounds great your recordings sound great and and you've you've diversified aside from just being a drummer into right. learning how to record your drums and learning how to make your drums sound great. So that when someone hires you, when you send them your tracks, they sound fantastic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know? That's yeah. And that, it, what, what's the old axiom uh, if you're not riding the wave of change, you'll find yourself beneath it. Right. Oh, is that the, it? Okay. Of, <laughs> yeah. Wait, which, which is true because we, we live in this we live in this digital world where, or virtual world where, you know, everyone kind of expects you to be able to, to, to deliver drum tracks online, guitars online based on the vocal. You know, it's just like, everything's online now we live in this online world, the whole world's flat now. So it's like, everyone's accessible. And and so everyone should be able to deliver what people's expectations are. So yeah, it it, it was really just by, uh, you know, I, I don't consider myself a tech guy at all, but yeah. it was one of those things that I'm like, if, if I want to continue to have a career, not only to be accessible to other people, but also just to advance my own projects as well. And 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 to be able to compete in that arena. I as independent artists, you know, as a drummer, right? I mean I, I'm I get hired to play, but if I want to create my own my own albums, which I've done before, I don't have the money to spend on a studio for two weeks, you know, being really particular about my drum tracks that I want to lay down. It's like, no, I I need to buy the gear and spend as much time as I want in the comfort of my own studio to be able to get the get the product that I want. And so, learning the technology and developing those that new skill set is imperative. You can't. There's no way around that. You know, you, you'll get left behind. If, yeah. I, I, I mean, I can't even. I can't imagine if I didn't have that studio. I've, I've had that studio for about six years now six seven years five six seven and man especially now with the covid thing yeah yeah i mean i've done a bunch of tracks uh, drum tracks for other people just because obviously we can't be in the same room and all that other nonsense Mm -hmm. but um but yeah it's been a real help
1: so so we've talked a lot about you know you know like success strategies and 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 mindset so if we stay on mindset uh what are some of the strategies that because every musician, you know, we have ups and downs and really the music industry is full of a lot of rejection. What are some of the strategies and, and mindsets that, that you've utilized that have helped you get through the, the, the down periods, you know, the, the, the periods of rejection, uh, you know, when you're wanting to get a gig and for, for whatever reason, it doesn't happen for you it happens to the guy next door, you know, what, what is, what are the mindsets and the strategies that you've implemented to, to get past those and move on to the next big thing?
0: There's always something good that's going to come out of something that uh, is negative. You, you right. can always find some sort of good that is, is going to come out of something that of some sort of disappointment. Once again, you know, I'm going to be quoting cheesy phrases all day today, but you know, that which doesn't kill you only makes you stronger is, you know, it's a reason why it's a cliche is because it's true. That's, if you take that mindset of just saying, okay, I had this expectation, it didn't work out the way I wanted you you have a choice to do two things. One, you can you can let it defeat you, and you can let it bum you out, and you can let it uh, rob you of in, of any chance of growth. Or you can look at it as what did you learn as the teaching opportunity. What what valuable lesson did you learn from that? And 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 that's really it. And you have a choice with every outcome that there is, with every sort of expectation that you have. How do you choose? to respond to whatever the outcome, whether it's positive or negative, you choose how you react to that. And that's it. Once again, you just take ownership of that. And, and it's, it's surprisingly easy though, I think to, to see the good in those disappointing times because it's like, sure, you didn't get a gig that, uh, that you were hoping for. Well, you know what? Now you got more time to get better. You got more time to focus on other projects. You got more time to, to add value to other people's lives in ways that you may have not thought of before. Right. It's there's endless ways that you can look at that as like, okay, I didn't get that. You know, I was expecting to get that, but how can I, how can I use my energies now to be, to be used even better than if I did get that gig?
1: Yeah.
0: That's a, that's an awesome challenge to put upon yourself.
1: Yeah, it all, it all comes down to that internal dialogue that we have with ourselves. You know, we, we can choose to say one thing and go down a dark path. We can yeah. say another thing and go down a good path that's going to lead to more more and more opportunities. Yeah, um, yeah. So, you know, I, I know growing up, you know, you and I grew up listening to a lot of the same music. Um, and, uh, you know, I knew that, you know, 15-year-old Michael had a specific viewpoint of what making it meant, right? I knew what success meant to me when I was 15, looking at a future career as a musician, right? I look back on that now and I have to laugh, (laughs) you know, 30 years later. Um, But my question to you is, is, you know, you've had a long career, uh, you know, over, uh, I've I've known you 20 years. So, you know, you've, you've had roughly 20 year, we've basically had the, you know, we've been in the business the same amount of time, you know, as, 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 as as full-time musicians. Now, when you look at success, when you look at your career, and when you look at other musicians, you know a lot of musicians who are very successful musicians aren't necessarily the people who are on the cover of magazines. You know, uh, when you look at success and having a career as a musician, how, what does success look like to you? How do you actually define it? You know, when people say like, like, well, I hope you make it, and you go, well, I kind of already have. What does that already look like to you?
0: Yeah, the, the, the older I get, the easier it is to define success. And it's, it's really the amount of value that you can add to other people's lives. I mean, that's, that's really what yeah. it is. It's just yeah. like the, the more you can positive, positively affect other people and add quality value to inspire them to be the best that they can be through whatever art that you create, whether through performance or education, um, that's the success right there. I mean, at, at anytime I get any sort of email or comments about somebody that I don't know, you know, from around the world, and she says, I, you know, you've inspired me throughout years. You know, I've been following you through years, and and you're just like, what, it, really? And and you know, and and, and I started playing this, and they will send me videos, and I, you're just like that. There's nothing better than that. Yeah, that's. I mean, when when you're when you're able to to give, and and you see that that person's life has has a, a specific value that you were responsible for come on that, that's yeah. that's success right there
1: I, I agree with you because when I look back now and I think of you know a, as you get older you can define a lot more around what you used to see you know when I was 15 years old I thought well if I'm you know you know touring and I'm in a band and I have a record deal then that's success right but then when you really dive into that you realize well in order to have all those things the music that I created had to speak to a lot of people, right. right? It had to have spoken to a lot of people to actually get them to come out to the shows, which would allow the touring to happen so that I could get up on stage and perform and again, provide value and, and speak to people in some way. So when you really dissect, you know, uh, and, and, you know, and make, make a change in their life. So when you really dissect what that initial dream was of what making it meant, you can really get down to, to pulling it apart and go, yeah, it, it really meant providing value to people, yeah. uh, you know, helping, helping, you, know, uh, you know, in influencing people in some positive way. Because if, if we weren't influencing people in some positive way, musically, we wouldn't be able to have a career. Totally,
0: absolutely, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's the heart of it right there.
1: Hey guys, I just wanted to pause for a second and let you know that if any of your goals over the next year include recording and releasing a new record, generating placements of your songs on TV shows, films and commercials, building a fan base that will sustain your career, or really just transitioning into full-time music, I want to invite you to my special workshop, Real Musicians Don't Starve. Now this is an entirely free workshop, and in it, we're gonna focus on the three keys to your success. You're gonna learn an extremely powerful strategy that allows you to create your own wow factor. This wow factor allows you to attract opportunities to both you and your music, as well as remove any financial worry that you're going to have pursuing a career as a full-time musician. You can check out this workshop for free at realmusiciansdontstarve.com slash workshop. Now back to the interview with Jeff. So I have two more questions for you. The yeah. first one is, uh, actually, go. I'm going to give you, to, to give you a, this is a two-part question. Oh. Um, you know, yeah. What is the best career decision you've made and what is the worst career decision you've made? Wow.
0: On the spot. Yeah, I know. that Totally out of the blue. The the best decision I made? Yeah, okay. That's easy. Um, I met you when we were living in Nashville. Mm -hmm. And I was playing with uh, a lot of contemporary Christian artists at the time, CCM artists. Rebecca St. James was the main artist I played with. She was awesome. I played with her for about two and a half years out there. And it was a great gig. I, I remember I was getting paid well. Um, and, and I was touring all over the world and the people I was with were really cool. And yeah. And so it was great. But I remember sitting on the couch of my bass player's house right before bus call one night. And I, and I thought that I went down that checklist. I went, wow, you know, I, I have a good gig. I get to tour, you know, I, I got a good group of friends here. Life is really comfortable for me. And that scared the heck out of me it scared the heck out of me because it was too comfortable. And I knew that if I stayed, I could stay in Nashville doing that same, same thing for the next 10 years, hopefully, you know, uh, and, and I would totally regret it because I knew living in Nashville and doing those gigs, I wouldn't be able to really see what I'm fully capable of doing as a, uh, as a musician and, a, and, and an educator, because I knew I wanted to move back to LA and those L.A. had the artists that I wanted to play with, those guitar players. I was always a fan of guitar-based music, and I wanted to play with those guys. And, I, and that was the music I ultimately wanted to play because I thought it would be challenging and fulfilling. And then I wanted to teach at Musicians Institute because I loved education, and that would be a good platform for me to do that. And I knew if I didn't leave Nashville at that time, I would have missed out on those opportunities. So I'm thankful I did. I moved back to L.A. in 2003, and it was hard. And Mm -hmm. for, you know, first year or so, because I was like, like, did I just make the the biggest mistake of my life? I had a pretty good career in Nashville. And now I just, I'm basically starting over in LA in one of the biggest music communities in the world. Not smart, Jeff, but it actually was. So, Mm -hmm. so, so recognizing the comfort of, of, um, the comfort of complacency, I guess is what it, or of of compromise is, is. Well, that's good.
1: That's good. I like that.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's that was really valuable. And, and, and I'm thankful that I had the wisdom from God to show me that that's not the path that he wanted me on. So um, ultimately, you know, for the rest of my life. So so that, that, that would be that for uh, the best, the worst decision. I did a tour. I'm, I'm not going to say the name of the artists, but I did a tour a few years ago. That was the worst experience of my life. And, and I knew, I knew going into it that it was going to be rough. And, uh, but for some reason, I, I don't know why I still, I just agreed to do it. And, and I should have listened to my gut and said, this is not a good thing. And, and that tour aged me literally, I mean, I kid you not. I had a little bit of gray hair. At the beginning of that tour and that tour was only like a month or five weeks long when i came back i had a lot more gray hair i i kid you not so that was probably the worst one of the worst decisions
1: <laughs> yeah i actually i do i do remember that tour <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: I, I think you got many phone calls on the road
1: i got many phone calls during that time yeah jeff and yeah. i go back 20 years so i i specifically remember that one yeah um so i one more question for you uh yeah. If, if, and then, then I, want you, I want you to share a little bit about uh, Drum Discipline Academy. But sure. if, if you could go back in time, all right, uh, and, and talk to, let's say, we'll say 20-year-old Jeff,
0: Ooh, right? yeah. early,
1: early 20s, late late teens, early 20s. If you could go back in time, sit down at a diner, look across the table to yourself 20 years old and have a conversation, uh, what are two things that you would advise to do differently uh neither of which could be related to um uh the tour that you uh took <laughs> what, are, what are two 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 like long term career uh pieces of advice that, that you would give yourself that you wish you knew at twenty uh
0: the first one the first one that that comes to mind is uh don't come. i i i know it sounds cliched again but really don't compare yourself to others. And it's like, of course we all know that, but really it's a toxic, toxic, no win situation when you compare yourself to others because you will never be them and they will never be you. You can only be the best version of you that there is. You can't be anything else. And so to waste your energy and emotional, uh, just emotional energy on, on, on measuring yourself to someone else is a complete waste of time. Now, that's not to say you can't use what other people do to motivate and inspire you. Of course, that's awesome. That, and we should all do that. But to put the unnecessary pressure on yourself to feel like if you don't play as equal or better, whatever that means, than someone else, then, then you're not valuable utter nonsense, right? It, it's, it's a waste of time that that's never going to come to fruition. And you're, it's uh you're going to be chasing your tail the whole time. And it'll be disappointing after years of realizing once you come to that realization that you can't do it, you just have to be the best version of yourself. That's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing would be um, it, it's, it, it's don't, don't be so serious. I, I, I have a <laughs> tendency. I have a tendency to, to be a little aggressive, like, a little more aggressive about certain things that I should be a little bit more lighthearted about, I think. And, uh, and so I, I think the older I get, the more I realize that maybe I put a little bit too much stress or pressure or and and got too tense about things that I shouldn't have. I should just let them be because, you know, life is awesome and this journey that we're all on is an awesome gift that we're able to create. And I mean, I get to hit things for a living, hit inanimate objects for a living and I mean, that's pretty awesome. I, I, yeah. I think you told me one time here, I think it was maybe some pastor used an analogy. He said that some people woke up this morning and they went to a factory and they, they were making doors. They had to make- oh, I
1: remember that. Yeah, I remember that. I, I totally remember this now. Yeah.
0: I, I, that has stuck with me through years. And it's like when you realize the gift of being able to, to play music and create music, whether part-time or full-time or whatever it's it's a true gift to be able to express yourself in this kind of artistic medium and and it's capable of inspiring and adding value to other people that is absolutely incredible and and i don't think i gave that enough credit in my earlier years of like how valuable that is and how important so i think that think that would settle down 20 year old jeff
1: yeah I agree with you I think the other thing too is in our earlier years we were so focused on achieving the goal yeah right we had this goal that that you know it's almost like this rush and i think it's just natural when, when you're younger you know you want to get there quick yeah. you know so so you're you're on this you're on this mission and and if if you know and i know that I looked at my career for a long time with you know blinders i sure. didn't see the stuff that was on the side But I look back now and i think oh man i, w- I really wish i Took those blinders off and I enjoyed the the view on the side a little bit yeah, you know yeah. I had a guy a friend of mine for years would always say you know michael it's it's you know it's the journey not the destination and I was like what does that mean come on right you know right. I mean the destination's gonna be awesome and right. and then in hindsight I look back and I think man I yeah I, you know, I re- really worked really hard for a long time but I had some heavy blinders on that I didn't really enjoy some of the journey I, I you know and 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 uh i think that that to me is one of those things that I, I wish i could go back and say man you know enjoy that journey along the way there's a lot yeah. of really cool views off to the side yep. you know yeah you're
0: 100% right and and it and it's hard to to realize that when you're young yeah you know? i i think yeah. that unfortunately comes with age what 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 is it uh who said it it's that uh youth is wasted on the young yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, there's, there's a certain, because there, there's a, I think there's a certain different type of wisdom you gain when you get older. And, but hey, that's what life is. And so hopefully we can pass that on.
1: I think at the same point, though, in order to really achieve a certain level of success in such a uh, highly competitive industry that is you know, full of a lot of rejection, there's an element where you do have to have the blinders on, I think, through a certain period of your life when you can be so susceptible to the rejection. You know, Um, I mean, now someone turns me down. They don't like my song. I couldn't give a crap, you know, but at 22 years old, someone turned me down. They didn't like my song. It's devastating. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's a certain, and, and a lot of that just has to do with, you know, developing your confidence and, and, and even just understanding the business. Yeah. you know, and, and how the yeah. business works. So I think that those are things that you could go back and, you know, I think of what, what would I say if I was 20 years old now I was sitting across the table from myself. And I think a lot of the things that I would say would still fall on deaf ears.
0: Yeah. You know? That's the problem. That's it. Yeah. And yeah, that, that's the problem with just being young is that you don't have the, the, the experience to acknowledge the reality of yeah. those words. Yeah. right? You're, you're living in this hyper aggressive, like, I have to rule, I have to be the best. I can't, no one can reject me. You know, it's like, it's all all systems go right now. And it's okay. You know, I mean, in a, in an ideal situation, that's the case, but that's not how the world works, yeah. especially in the music world.
1: So, yeah, I think, I think the biggest thing that, that if I would go back and, and, and talk to myself, I would, I would tell myself to learn the business side of it, at a much younger age than I did you yeah, know, that, under, un- understand the concepts of publishing, you know, song ownership, copyright, and, and understand those concepts. I think that would have helped tremendously through my twenties, yeah. you know, especially yeah. when, you know, start having dialogue with other professional musicians and publishers. And as I got into it, different engineers and, and whatnot, having had that type of background, I think would have, would have opened up a lot more doors quicker,
0: sure. um,
1: you know but uh sure. well let's let's talk about i know that you've been using the quarantine uh uh to do much good uh you've you've got drum discipline academy and and i'd love for you to ex- explain a bit about what drum discipline academy is and uh and uh I, I just think this is awesome
0: sure yeah drum discipline academy has been a passion something i've been wanting to do for years and and this year i've, I've finally uh i've always wanted to have an online educational resource. I've been in drumming education for well over 20 years now. And uh, and now I just want to offer something from myself, not something that's through a third party, like a publisher or anything like that. And I just want to take more ownership with it so I, so I can really create the content that I want. Sometimes when, if, you, if, if you're working with a publisher, they have editors and they have very specific things of parameters that, that you need to kind of abide by and uh so and, and as artists we don't like that we don't like boundaries right we yeah. want to be our own so and even as educators so so drum discipline academy is uh my educational drumming website that i started a few months ago you can go right now and download a a free three lesson course that's pretty exhaustive has pdfs has videos that go correspond with everything and uh and throughout the quarantine, I've been finishing up this eight-week boot camp. It's called the Drum Discipline Boot Camp. And I'm gonna be offering that this summer, July or August. And it's basically um, an eight-week course that really deals with the fundamentals of rhythm and coordination. And one of the biggest things as drummers is, and obviously with any any musician, is that we have to play with confidence, right? Mm-hmm. And, and drummers, especially if, if drummers don't play with confidence, the whole band gets real nervous real quick. Mm -hmm. And, and this is what I deal with my students all the time is that we we always talk about confidence, but they're like, how do you develop confidence or how do you sound confident? And confidence comes from being able to play something consistently, whether you're confident or not, you should still be able to play something consistently. And if you have a strong foundation of, uh, or, or, or a strong understanding of the foundations, of basic techniques of basic rhythm of basic coordination uh you will be able to play that convincingly whether you're scared out of your pants or not and so this whole boot camp is designed to hit these fundamental concepts from multiple different angles so you don't get bored because variety is the spice of life obviously you need it muscle confusion is a very valuable thing so it's it's taking fundamental ideas but hitting them at multiple uh different uh, angles and directions and and and, and uh perceptions and developing that. So you can have the strongest base possible so that you can sound as confident as you can in any musical situation. And, and it takes eight weeks to do that. And, and so I'm finishing that up right now and I'm super excited to, to, to offer that here in a few months. And it's going to be, it's going to be a good thing. I'm really, really excited. It's out of all the educational stuff I've ever created. This is hands down. I think the most effective and valuable offering that, that I've ever been, been able to produce. So it's, I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah.
1: And you also have uh, on, on, on Yeah. Uh, you also have some downloads of, of your albums available, right? Yeah. Oh you yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. The you can go to
0: yeah. I, I released my second album couple last year, I think. And, and you can download that, that album for free. You can go to JeffBowders.com and download that album. It's, uh, it's instrument It's instrumental guitar based, over self-indulgent drumming music, and, yeah. which who doesn't love that. I mean, come on. So, <laughs> so if, uh, if, if you're into that uh, niche of, uh, of, of music, that's, uh, you'll love it.
1: Yeah, if, if, if you like a lot of odd time signature, uh, crazy. Yeah, it's not only just drumming, but it, it's every instrument. Yeah. Every instrument on, on those records uh, are it, it, it's absolute insanity, but they're musical, which is nice. They're musical records, but lots of odd time signatures. You know, very very progressive. Uh, it, it's it, they are musicians' albums.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah,
1: I I I I, I, I Thank still Michael I still,
0: for contributing. To those albums as well,
1: <laughs> I, I still look back fondly on uh, on both those records as as they were the hardest records I've ever been a part of uh, writing <laughs> or playing anything on because man it was it, it's it's insanity but it's a lot of fun and I a, take a lot so of fun much pride to. in that that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeff, thanks for coming and uh, and sharing uh, your wisdom and um you know uh, the again you know the focus here is I, I really want. You know, everyone to realize that there is a lot of opportunity out there for musicians. You know, like what you said earlier when we started. You know, just because you're a musician doesn't mean you have to be a starving artist. That that really is just something that I think that's that's what people who have the scarcity mindset, you know, mm-hmm. and who 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 live really based in a mindset of fear, you know, will say over and over and over and over. I'm a starving artist. I'm a starving artist. Well, if you say you're a starving artist, you're going to be a starving artist. But the reality is that real musicians, real musicians, don't starve because we figure out a way to add value and bring a lot of value to our end users. And I'd love to end uh, with our manifesto, which is that real musicians are business owners, and our business is music. A business is simply an organization where value is provided in order to make a profit. And unlike starving musicians who operate with a mindset of scarcity and fear as success-driven musicians, we operate with a mindset of abundance, confidence, and service. We are doers, we are dreamers, we are creators, and we are achievers. We know that our true value is determined by how many people we serve and how well we serve them because our truth is real musicians don't starve.
0: I love it. That's awesome. Right on. It's, it's, very, it's very, just the
1: truth. It's the truth. Very you know? cool. Yeah. Yeah. You choose, you choose what you want. Yeah. Awesome. Jeff. Well, thank you so much for joining us and uh, we will talk to you soon.